into Sports Betting Daily. How are we doing on a Thursday? Today is the 23rd. It is a 3-23-23. A lot of twos and threes in there. Is that a palindrome? Because if you go backwards, it would be three. Well, I don't know if it's like a... I think a palindrome may look the same backwards. I don't know if I got that exact definition right. But yeah, if you go backwards, three, two, three, two, three. You can go three, two, three, two, three. There you go. All right, that does it for today's show. Thanks for listening. Uh, anyway, what's happening? It's Thursday. You know what that means? You're almost to Friday, which means you're almost to the weekend. So let's go. Getting close to that. On today's show, um, we're going to talk about parlays. Now, we've done shows on parlays before, but I thought it was important to take it from a different approach because I, I realized something. None of you out there are going to listen to me when I talk about making parlays. Like, <laughs> I, I just have come to the understanding you may tune in, you may digest my point, but what you're going to do is you're going to hear me talk about parlays and I'm going to say, don't make them, don't make them. And you're all going to stop listening to the podcast and go make some parlays. I just, I, I've, I've accepted that. It's going to happen. So I, I figured we should do a show where I at least. If you're going to do it, let me at least help do it, help you do it a little bit better and try and maybe make a little fewer, make fewer mistakes when you're making parlays. So on today's show, we're going to talk about all about parlays, what they are, what you should never do, what you should do, uh, why pros use them, like why they exist, why they can be a powerful tool. And we'll kind of go through all of that today. But the point is, at some point, probably closer towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to smart parlays, how you can take your parlay betting and sharpen it up just a little bit. Because like I said, I give up. I know you're going to do it anyway. So all right, let's get to it. Uh, Special thanks to Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is your home for anything and everything player props. Now make sure they're legal in your state. I've heard from some listeners who are like, yeah, I can't do it here. I can't. They're not legal here. So make sure you can actually bet with Thrive in your state. But uh, it's really cool. So what they do is they offer player prop parlays called house props where they actually pay out more than other sports books in the industry. So that's one thing that's really cool. They also have uh, daily fantasy style games where you build an entire lineup with player props. So check them out online, Thrive Fantasy, or download the app. Put in promo code SBD when you're signing up, and uh, that'll give you a deposit match up to $100. All right, let's get to it. Parlays, all about parlays. Quick drink of some coffee here. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah. That's the good stuff. All right, let's get to it. Uh, parlays. Let's start off by what is a parlay. I know we've talked about this before, but it's worth refreshing, obviously, on today's show. What is a parlay? A lot of people don't really even understand what a parlay is. And by that, I mean the, the function of a parlay, the math of a parlay. A parlay, all it does is is rolls your winnings from one bet into another bet. A parlay doesn't give you back any more money for stacking games together. It simply doesn't. Now, it might if you have like a parlay boost token or something like that. I'm just talking about normal bets. You don't get more money back for making a parlay. Let's use an example. A two-team or a two-leg even money parlay. And by even money, I mean uh, each leg of the parlay is not minus 110 or minus 150 or minus 200. It's even money. So an even money two-leg parlay, you can put it right now into whatever sports book you use. Type it in right now. You're going to see it pays plus 300. Well, if you bet these games individually, let's walk through it. You have, let's say, $10. Okay, so if you make the parlay, it's 10 to win 30. You walk away with 40. Well, if we make these bets individually, you bet 10 to win 10 on the first game. And if that happens to win, you now have $20. So the sports book just takes that 20 and rolls it over for you into the next game. So the next game, you have 20 to win 20. 
And if it wins, you walk away with how much? 40. So each situation, you walk away with $40 in total, the 30 you won in the original 10. The math is the exact same. So there's no incentive to making a parlay. There's no reason for us to make a parlay, except for the reasons we'll talk about on today's show, which is why some professionals make parlays. And really the reason why I'm doing this podcast, like I mentioned, I just know you're all going to make these bets anyway. But the issue to me is that the household increases substantially the more you all out there make these parlays. And that's a bad thing because the higher the household, the more money you all are losing. So let's get to it. That's why this is the issue. And before we start with all this stuff about parlays, let's talk about some negatives, some things you should never do. So there are things I'm going to give you, some bullet points I'm going to tell you for what to do to make your parlays better. But here are some things you should never do. Ever, ever, ever do these things. Number one, never make a same game parlay. And number two, never cash out early when you've made a parlay and won a few legs. Let's talk about these each individually. Number one, never, ever make a same game parlay. The reason you don't want to do this is they take back too much in the payback or they take away too much in the payback, what they should pay you back. I did a couple examples. I looked at tonight's uh, Clippers. Uh, who do they play tonight, actually? I think it's Clippers and OKC. It's Oklahoma City. Um, so Clippers and Oklahoma City play tonight. And I did some exact examples on DraftKings, by the way. It may be different payouts in different sports books, but this is the example. And this is the point, is that they're going to pay back less than what they should. So the uh, same game parlay I did for tonight was Kawhi Leonard over his points, 29 and a half, and the Clippers money line. Now, I didn't make this bet. I don't even like this bet. It's just an example I randomly came up with. So what the, what the same game parlay pays is plus 165. You can go type it in right well, unless the lines have moved. But this morning when I did this, it was plus 165, Kawhi over 29 and a half points combined with the Clippers money line, plus 165. Well, if you didn't do that in the same game parlay format, right? Because you have to click on the same game parlay button or get to the same game parlay screen. If you just made that as a normal parlay, what that should pay is plus 188, so they're taking back 3% of what they should be paying you. And you may say, who cares? It's 3%. But think about that. Let's just talk through some examples of what 3% more for a house advantage means for us. What that would mean is that would turn your normal bet. If that were the norm, okay? If you just got used to the house taking 3 more percent, your normal bet wouldn't be minus 110. It would turn to minus 126, so the normal house edge against us, the 2.38% that that minus 110 represents, you're more than doubling that with this 3%. So instead of minus 110, you're now going to minus 126. Imagine that. Every bet you make is minus 126. And instead of going 53% to, to a break even, you now have to go over 55% just to break even. So that's what that extra 3% does. It becomes essentially unwinnable for most people out there. Let me tell you something right now. I've been doing this for six years, five years, six years. If the average bet moved from minus 110 to minus 126, I don't know if I could do this anymore. That's how powerful 3% is to the house. And now I, I would still probably be able to find my edges and I'd find my certain ways in the markets. But the point is, that's so powerful. People don't understand how big that is. So these same game parlays, the reason they offer them is because they're taking back so much, it's actually worth it 
for them to offer it now because that 3% is so powerful. Let's keep in mind, I've mentioned this before, back in the day, or actually I shouldn't even say back in the day, up until about a year and a half or two years ago, you couldn't make same game parlays because the correlation is too strong. If Kawhi Leonard goes over in his points, of course, the Clippers are more likely to win. That's the idea with correlation. And so that's why they say they take back that money. If you were to interview um, you know, the sportsbook manager at DraftKings or FanDuel or BetMGM or wherever, they'd say, well, look at the correlation. It's too strong for us to offer a normal good bet. That's why we have to make it a little bit more advantageous for the house. That's what they would say. And so that and that's why these bets weren't allowed for decades, decades. You couldn't make a same game parlay. Not allowed, not allowed, not allowed. Now they're advertising them on TV. Why do you think that is? Have the sportsbooks suddenly gotten nicer? Do they want you to do better? No, obviously they they understand they're just taking back more, which makes it now suddenly a good bet for them. That's one thing a lot of people ignore is the price. We all look at the line and the teams playing. Not enough attention is paid to that minus 110. That represents so much. So let's use a few more examples. We did the minus 110. Uh, Instead of paying minus 110, you would now bet minus 126, right? So same as paying minus 126 for a normal minus 110 bet. Um, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if all your friends like loved a game? You're you're all going to a game together because I know that's what happens. Like 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 uh, during the NFL season, maybe you and some of your buddies will go to a game and you'll all bet on the home team. Can you imagine if all of your friends got? Let's say you're you're Baltimore Ravens fans. You're and you're from Baltimore. Let's say if you go to the game, can you imagine if all your friends got Baltimore minus three, minus one ten, and you have Baltimore minus three, minus one twenty six? It's like what? I can't. How? How'd you get that? Like that, that? That would suck over and over and over again. That's how powerful that is. All right. So another example. That's the same as paying minus one seventy when the line should be minus one fifty. That's the same as paying plus two hundred when the line should be plus two thirty. So. It's just not a good idea. That 3% is very powerful, and that's why same-game parlays are never a good idea. I also mentioned early cash-outs. The reason why you don't want to cash-out early and why early cash-outs are always a bad idea, it's the same idea. They're taking away a substantial amount of money that should be going back to you. In my opinion, the math works out. If I were to hit Kawhi Leonard over 29.5 and Clippers Moneyline or a parlay with those two equivalent prices... I should get paid out plus 188. That's what it's worth. So when they pay plus 165, they're, they're just diminishing what they should be paying back. It's the same thing with early cash outs. They're taking away the money that you should be getting paid back. Let's use an example. Another example. Let's say you have a four-leg even money parlay. And I like using the even money because it gets rid of all that difficult, hard-to-understand math for everyone. So let's say a four-leg parlay where every game in the parlay or every leg in the parlay is even money. Okay, 10 to win 10 or whatever. So let's say you have a four-leg parlay and you've won the first three bets and you're waiting for that night game and that fourth team to hit. So the first thing is, if you do want to cash out at this point, the first thing I have to say to you is, why the hell did you make a four-team parlay if after three games you'd want to cash out anyway? <laughs> why don't you just make a three-team parlay? That's, that's on you for being a dummy, right? I always say that. It's like everyone wants to do that. They just, and here's why I think that happens. Here's the psychology. I think that most people, I think here, legitimately this is what's going on. I believe most people make that parlay sort of in the back of their minds or subconsciously expecting to lose. And then when you've won a few legs, all you out there are like, oh my God, we can make money. We can win a little bit. Let's cash out, cash out, cash out. It's because you see the dollar signs. You see the actual money that could go in your account, the winnings, and you lose all touch with good money management. 
So that's what I think happens with the vast majority of people out there and why they look to cash out early. It's like, why, why'd you make the parlay in the first place? Why'd you make a 10-leg parlay if after the fifth leg, you're like, oh, what's some of that money back? It's just a dumb way to invest. So let's use our, our let's get back to our example. Let's use a four-team even money parlay. Okay, so the first leg wins, and let's let's say you just put ten dollars to win one sixty, because that's what it would pay. You win one fifty, or to get back one sixty, you win one fifty plus the original ten that you bet. So the first leg, you bet ten to win ten, and you've got twenty. Second leg, you bet twenty to win twenty, you've got forty. Third leg, you up, you bet forty to win forty, you win eighty, and then that uh, last leg is eighty to win. Uh, 160. So you walk away with 160, you win the 150. So it would look on a parlay like plus 150, and it would show up as uh, um, our individual betting, the same math, you win 150, you get back to 160. So in both situations, as we've talked about, whether you do it, it's called a mechanical parlay. So whether you do it individually or mechanically, or you make the parlay, you make the same amount. But let's say you made a 14 parlay, even money, and you've won the first three legs. What that means is you've earned $70, $80 total. You should have, you've now earned 70 bucks. You've made, you've profited $70 because you're three and oh, that means something. That's what everyone out there doesn't understand. That means something. You've done work. You've done your handicapping. You've gone three and oh, you've earned that 70 bucks, 80 total. So the fair payback price, if you were to cash out should be $80, but they're not going to pay you $80. They may pay you I don't know, $60 or $62 or $63 or 60 or something around there, right? But they're not going to pay the fair amount. And and here's the main problem. Well, here's a problem with that because there's a lot of problems with that. But here's a problem with that is many people in the public have this mentality. Who cares? I won money. It's like, hey, I bet 10. I still won. They're paying me 62 and they should pay me 80. Well, I still won 52 bucks. Who cares? I won money. That's the mentality people have. But why do you have that mentality with sports betting when you would never have the mentality with other things? What if your boss paid you 75% of what you earned this month or this week or this two weeks or however often you, you get paid? Would you be okay because, quote, you still made money? No, you fucking wouldn't be okay. You earned that. T- you put in that time. You put in that effort. You worked upon an agreed upon contract. The same thing with us in the sports books. We have a contract. If we make a two-leg even money parlay and we won the first bet, we should get $20 back. That, that, you know, if we bet 10 bucks, that's, that, that should be the, the contract, but they don't do that. They break that and say, look, if you want out, you're going to have to pay a fee. And so, you know, I just don't understand why you would sacrifice something. You earned it. And, and I guess I just look at it differently because maybe you're not earning it. Maybe you're just whimsically picking games and you're happy to get lucky because when you really work for your games and you handicap well and you spend some time and you, and you earn that and you go three and oh, to me, that means something. And so when they pay you back a diminished amount, that's just bad money management. I mean, that's honestly how companies make money. How do, how do companies make money? How does the grocery store or, or Target make money? They buy products and then they, they sell those products to you for more money. It's simple. It's business 101. They just charge more than it's worth. It's the same thing here. That's the same thing going on with the classic minus 110 bet, which is hard enough to beat it enough already. Okay, so, so minus 110 is hard enough to be. Then you're making parlays, making it harder on yourself. And then you're taking less money back than you should. The sports books wouldn't offer that payback if it weren't beneficial to them. If your bet is worth $80 and they pay you back 62, they're making 25% back than they, you know, more than they should. I mean, they are making money essentially, even though they're paying you money. 
That's how the, the finances of this all works, the economics of it. Okay, so when you accept an early cash out, what you're doing is walking into a grocery store, you're seeing a gallon of milk for $15 and you're going, eh, whatever, I need milk or I want milk and you're buying it. Instead of going to a different grocery store or finding an alternative, you know, whatever, you're, you're paying that money. Congratulations. So if you're okay doing that, congratulations. Okay, so, so that's the idea with, with these uh, uh, early payouts. If you're going to cash out early, that's what's happening. So the two things, you, I know it kind of went on for a while there, but those are important concepts. So two things you should never do, make a same game parlay and cash out early. Those are never, ever going to be uh, a good way to approach parlays. So let's talk about the good in parlays. Let's talk about the positive things in parlays and essentially how professionals use parlays. Um, professionals use parlays for a couple reasons. The first thing that they do is they look for unnoticed correlation. Let, let me give you a few examples of where un, unnoticed or maybe mispriced correlation may show itself in the market. If you have an, uh, an NFL game or an NFL sit, not game, an NFL situation, let's say it's the, the Chiefs and the Chargers, and it's coming down to the final week of the season, and the Chiefs play the early morning game and the Chargers play later in the afternoon. Well, let's say if the Chiefs win, the Chargers can't win the division. It eliminates them from the division. But if the Chiefs lose and the Chargers win in the afternoon, the Chargers win the division. So that's a form of correlation that often gets overlooked in the sports books that we can find. So here's what you do. You parlay the Chiefs losing or not covering to the San Diego Chargers cover the Los Angeles Chargers covering. That's the correlation because if... The, Char- the Chiefs lose their first game, there's a higher probability the Chargers are going to win the second game because they're going to maybe employ more of a, a, a game plan that is going to surprise their opponent. They may play people who are going to sit if, if the Chiefs lost. And on the other end, you could parlay the Chiefs winning or covering to San Diego not covering. Because if the Chiefs win, and it would likely be the Chiefs winning, if the Chiefs win... San Di- I keep saying San Diego. If the, key, the Chiefs win, the Chargers may sit people. And there's a much, much lower chance that they'll cover. So those two things are correlated, but they don't get priced in. So those are situations where you could parlay the two. Because let's say the Chiefs did win their game. And in our situation or in our example, the Chargers were now more likely to sit people. That line will move. And so what we've done early in the morning is lock in that line in the afternoon for the Chargers in this situation of correlation. So that's one example of correlated games that don't get priced as they're correlated. Another may be, and we talked about this a week or so ago, uh, like the, the NCAA tournament, March Madness. If we notice the Mountain West is playing poorly, there is a correlation to that. Other Mountain West teams are more likely to play poorly because college basketball is a sport to where we don't really get to see these teams play much out of conference once they start gelling. So we learn a lot in March Madness about these conferences. So it is correlated and it is often underpriced. So that's one way that pros use parlays is finding correlation where we can make the parlays. Remember, the reason why same game parlays were not allowed for decades was because there is correlation in those. That's why they diminish what they pay you back. So if we can find correlation that's being overlooked, well, now it becomes worth it for us to make these parlays. 
another reason or another way that professionals use parlays is to circumvent betting limits. I'm sure you've seen this going around online. This is a real issue, a real problem. There's sportsbooks out there who ban winning bettors, or at least who they think are winning bettors. Or if they're not going to ban you, they'll greatly reduce how much you can bet. And so instead of maybe 2,500, they'll limit your bets to 100, right? And try and make it not worth your while. And so what pros will do is use parlays to circumvent these betting limits. Because as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, well, as we've talked about a little bit before, you're just increasing your volume with these parlays, right? 10 to win 20, 20 to win 40, to win 80, and, and the house just holds your money. So if your limits are $100 at a sports book and they just hate you, you could make a, a $50 parlay, a three-leg parlay, where the last leg is worth hundreds of dollars, and you've now circumvented that limit. So that's another way that pros use it. Um, I mentioned that this, this next bullet point for how pros use parlays to lock in lines for later games, knowing they'll have more on that game. So if you want to strategically line it up so you have a higher volume on that game, and because that's the thing, in, the, in a parlay situation, you're betting more by definition the further along your parlay increases. If you have a 10-leg parlay, you have a whole lot more money on leg 10 than you did the very first leg of that parlay. So if you want to lock games in, pros know this, they will say, okay, I like this second game more than the first game, and I would bet, let's just use an example, I would bet $200 on game B and 100 on game A. Well, this works out. So we'll make a parlay, lock in game B's line, knowing we would make that same volume bet anyway. So that's another way that pros use parlays. And then the final way, which is not very common, pros will make parlays for deflection to make themselves look like worse sports bettors as a perception from the sports books. This doesn't happen as much because pros are less likely to make these anyway and just like throw money away to, to, for camouflage, but that is a way that they are made. Okay, finally, we've made it to the, the, the headline of the show, how you should all make parlays. Because I know I've said the advice is don't make parlays. Like at the end of the day, if you truly want to see your bank account grow, you need to stop making parlays. That's my advice is you need to stop altogether. But as I said at the beginning of the show, I know you're going to ignore that and I know you're still going to make parlays. So if you do, here's a couple, a couple ways that you can make your parlays a little bit more profitable. Number one is to work backwards. Okay, let's get back to what a parlay is. A parlay is all about increasing volume. A parlay doesn't change the house edge really for any given bet. They just hold your money the more you're winning your parlays. So if this happens and you have a $10 parlay to win uh, 30 and it's a two-leg parlay, we've talked about this math before, right? You start with 10, you walk away with 40, you've won 30. What you want is for that first leg to be a little bit of a lower confidence bet than the second leg. You always want to finish the parlay with your best bet, with the bet that you're highest the confidence in, because you're going to have the most money on that bet. And so work backwards. The final game in your parlay should be the last game in your parlay, or should be the strongest game in your parlay. And again, <laughs> for any like real pros out there, anyone who knows they're talking about, I hope that this has been clear. This isn't like real advice for what to do. My advice is not to make parlays. This is, if you're going to do it, let me at least help you do it a little bit smarter and a little bit better. So you at least know what you're doing more. So that's what this is for. I know this is still not great advice for anyone who really understands. But either way, if you want to do this, work backwards. So the final game, if you have a 10-leg parlay, leg 10 should be your highest confidence level bet. 
Leg nine should be your second highest level confidence bet. Leg eight should be your third level high, uh, highest level confidence bet. It should go the reverse order of your confidence level. That's how it should work because you're putting more and more money every game of your parlay. So that's my first piece of advice. Work backwards. My second piece of advice is the math It doesn't lie. What I said is true, that you can bet these games individually and make just as much money, the exact same amount to the penny. So my advice would be start getting comfortable making mechanical parlays. And what a mechanical parlay is, is where you don't make the parlay, you make singles, you just do it yourself. So you take the winnings from one bet and roll it into the next bet. So let's go through an example here. Let's go through an example of a four-team minus 200 parlay. So every leg of your parlay is minus 200 and you make a four-team parlay. That's probably closer to what a lot of you are doing anyway, right? Like parlaying favorites together. So a minus 200 where every leg is minus 200 and you have a four-team parlay will pay plus uh, 406, something like that. Um, yeah, plus 406. It'll pay $40.63. Plus 406, $40.63. Uh, $40. So you bet $10.00. And go, you're going to go plug this in right now. You bet $10 on a four-team parlay where every team in the parlay is minus 200. Go right now in your sports book. It'll say you will make $40.63, get back $50.63. That's the math, okay? So you're going to, on the parlay, make $40.63, collect $50.63. So let's go through that ourselves. Let's go through the math of how much you make how much you keep and what that really looks like. So if you do a mechanical parlay yourself, because a lot of you out there may bet a hundred to win, you know, four hundred and six dollars or something like that. And you think that all those minus two hundreds, because it's all a bunch of favorites, it's a good bet. But if you did it mechanically and you saw what you were really doing with your money, I doubt any of you would do this. So let's go through this example. In this example, a ten dollar parlay to win forty dollars sixty three cents, collect $50.63. So if you did it yourself, leg number one, you bet 10 to win how much on minus 200? Quick math out there, five, right? You bet 10 to win five, it's minus 200. So now you've got a total of $15 and you roll that to bet number two. You got it now a $15 bet at minus 200 to win 750. If that wins, you now have a total of $22.50. So now if you're doing this yourself, instead of the cash out option where they would offer probably 15 bucks or anything else, you now have in your account $22.50. You've earned the money from those first couple of games. And it's up to you now. It's completely up to you. Balls in your court. You have $22.50. If you want to risk it all on game three for minus 200, fine, do it, right? So now that's 2250 to win 1125. And if that wins, now you have a total of 3375 in your account. So if you so choose, you can make that fourth bet. You can make that minus 200 bet again with all your money. 3375 to win 1688, which equals, drum roll please, $50.63 to the penny the exact same amount you would do, you would get back making the parlay. The only issue was, or only dif- the only difference, well, there is no issue. The only difference was you got to dictate what happened to your money. Let's say you're 3-0 and and you don't want to put all 3375 on the fourth bet. What if it loses? So Let's say you want that $10 in the account you started with. You say, if this loses, I still want to have 10 in the account so I'm at least break even for the day. 
That's awesome. Now go ahead and bet $23.75, leave 10 in the account. If that wins, now you're making more money. That's the idea with these is if most people out there have won seven bets of an eight-leg parlay, a lot of people out there want to cash, want to cash, want to cash. It's like, I'm assuming most of you wouldn't put all that money on the, the eighth game. I talk about this all the time. I do another show called College Football Tailgate, obviously, on uh, during the college football season. We have some off-season shows as well, but my co-host in there, Will Chambers, is a like the prototypical square public better. And he makes these parlays all the time. And he'll make like $10 parlays to win 500, you know, like 10-leg parlays or eight-leg parlays. And I always ask him, I go, you're, you know, you're betting $10 a game. That's your comfort limit. That's your comfort level. If you've made $300 or $400, would you really bet all of that on a minus 350 favorite in the Pac-12 to wrap up Saturday night? Or would you take some profit back for yourself? And every time he's like, of course I take profit back for myself. And I'm like, well, why the hell are you making the, the damn parlays in the first place? Control your money. Don't let the sports books dictate what happens with your money if you've won seven games in a row. So that's why uh, that, that's my sort of long winded thing about making mechanical parlays. Get used to it. You're going to see that this whole parlay thing is, is a fraud. It's a farce. You, you are much more comfortable. I know it making decisions with your money instead of letting them roll it over for you. So number two is start making mechanical parlays. Number three. And by the way, just to refresh, cause that was a while. This is you know, tips to help you make better parlays. Number one was work backwards Okay, the last game of the parlay should be the highest confidence and so on and so forth. Number two, start making more mechanical parlays. Get comfortable with that. Number three, if you are going to make parlays, keep it to two or three legs. Don't make these 10, 15, 20 leg parlays. And don't let FanDuel or DraftKings hook you by them posting the pictures of it happening. Someone's going to hit these parlays. Someone's going to win the lottery too. Doesn't mean you should be doing it. So that's number three. Keep it to two to three leg mentalities. And number four, do not have this mentality. A lot of people have this mentality of, quote, if I just win one or two of these huge payouts, that'll pay for all these losses. Then I will make up for it. This is such a bad point of point of view and mindset because it still doesn't address the issue that you're not a pro better, aka you can't truly identify these great plus 1500 bets. If you make a 1500 bet or a parlay that pays 15 to one, aka plus 1500, the true odds, or even, you know, maybe even cheaper, but the true odds of that are never going to be 15 to 1. If you make a bet 15 to 1, the sports book thinks, because it's probably true, you're going to win that bet maybe one out of every 18 times, or maybe one out of every 20 times. You're not going to win it one out of every 15. Otherwise, that would be a break even bet. And as the math has shown, people are now winning or breaking even making these bets. So again, at the end of the day, if you really do want to see your account grow, you've got to stop making these parlays. But if you do want to make parlays, those are a couple reasons or a couple ways that you can maybe make a little sharper parlays. Now, why do sports books love parlays? Why do they advertise same game parlays and make commercials about parlays and send us emails and promotions encouraging us to make parlays with these bonuses? And why? Why do sports books love parlays? Well, with all due respect, I promise I'm not trying to be pejorative or anything like that, but with all due respect, it's because you all love them and you all suck at winning. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it. That's why. I mean, the bottom line is that sports books are getting rich off of these bets. The bottom line is without parlays, sports books wouldn't make nearly 
the amount of money they are right now. I saw a figure coming out of Louisiana sports gambling. Louisiana, this last month, they made or they profited almost half of their profits were from parlays. Think about that. Half of their money coming in is from parlays. These are gigantic moneymakers. So that's just the bottom line. That's why books love parlays. But here's some reasons as to why they like parlays, like more specifically. It's because most of the time, the profile of better making parlays is a losing better. Now, just because losing betters typically make parlays more than average doesn't, by definition, make parlays a bad thing. Parlays can be a powerful tool if you know what you're doing, you understand the math of them, and you can execute with still good bets. Just because parlays are made by losing betters doesn't make them losing bets. Okay, so, so that's a little thing, but most of the time, the people who are making parlays, unfortunately, are losing betters. But... The household is everything, right? The household is how much the house holds. Get this. This is crazy. According to the University of Nevada's Center for, Re- or Center for Gaming Research, the household increases roughly from 5.5%. So think about that. Every $10 you bet or every $100 you bet, the household's about 5.5% of about $5.50 of it. So you'll get back $94.50 on average, um, if you're making single bets or, or that's the way it, you know, always has been according to the university of Nevada center for gaming research for single bets, about five and a half percent that increases to 32.1% with parlays. I mean, this is astounding these numbers. So now for every hundred you bet, you're getting back less than $68 instead of $94 and 50 cents, just simply by making parlays. People are throwing money away with these things. Um, I've got a quote here from DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins, because DraftKings always pushes these. They're making money. We know that, okay? So DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins, uh, he told some people at the Goldman Sachs Travel and Leisure Conference, of course, in June, that DraftKings' focus on parlays would further intensify. Quote, This is from uh, DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins, or at least at the time this article was written. Quote, what we are doing is trying to get, excuse me, quote, what we are doing is trying to get smart at eliminating the sharp action or limiting it, at least, and then also making sure that we have a high parlay mix because people do like that. And I'm going to read that quote again, but think about what the two things he says. Their goal is to eliminate sharp action and to increase the amount of parlays bet. Uh, Of course it is. He wants more money. They want to make more money. How do they do that? They kick people like me out, and they get people like in the public out to, I was going to say like you, sorry. They get public bettors to make more parlays because they're trying to wring the washcloth and make as much as they can. I mean, just that statement alone should let you know that you're a sucker if you're making these things. You're falling into their traps. If the CEO DraftKings wants you to do what you're doing, you probably shouldn't keep doing it. Let me read that quote one more time. Quote, what we are doing is trying to get smart at eliminating the sharp action or limiting it at least, and then also making sure that we have a high parlay mix because people do like that. Oh man, the CEO of DraftKings, everybody. CEO of DraftKings. So that's essentially why. That's why parlays are bad. That's the math of them. Why you generally don't want to make them. But if you're going to make them, hopefully our tips of work backwards, Start getting comfortable making mechanical parlays. 
Keep your parlays to two to three legs and don't have the mentality of, hey, if I hit big occasionally, it's worth it. That's how I think you can get better at parlays. And my last thing here, teasers are the same thing. Teasers are just parlays where you're buying points. It's the same thing, same idea, same math, but you're buying points. And my advice to everyone listening, and again, this is the public advice, it's never good to tease anything really ever, except for maybe the NFL in certain situations. And the NFL where you want to look to tease is a home underdog from plus two and a half up to plus eight and a half. And let me let me talk about that for just a second, because a lot of people out there may say, oh, the, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that teaser. Everyone that's tired. That's play. Everyone bets two and a half to eight and a half. Here's why that's not tired. And that's not an opportunity that, that's not profitable anymore. The sports books don't control whether that's profitable. Okay, what controls whether that's profitable is the outcome of games because the closer games fall to the closing line, the more valuable points will be inevitably. That's why points just simply aren't worth enough in the N- or in the NBA or any other sport. Buying points isn't worth enough because points aren't, aren't worth that as much as they're charging. Right? It's not that they're not valuable. It's just they're not worth as much as the sports books want to charge for them. But if you get a home underdog of two and a half to eight and a half, because the NFL is getting more and more efficient, and by definition, more efficient means the final outcome of games are getting closer to the outcome or to the final uh, closing spread. So if if the Vikings and Packers are minus three, whoever's favorite, I don't care. That game is landing on three more and more and more the years go on. So what that means is 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 teasers are actually still as profitable as ever with that home underdog of two and a half to eight and a half. Where the sports books control things is the price. They could now charge minus one thirty minus 140 if they think it's a bad bet for them because currently a two-team six lay or a a two-team six-point teaser in the NFL is minus 120 and that's very profitable that's still very doable now if the house changes that to minus 130 we may be talking about something else but there's a lot of people oh Tyler that's old school no one does that anymore no it's not people do that all the time because how the house doesn't control that the house controls the price of the teaser but what controls how valuable points are within a teaser is simply the outcome of the actual games. All right, that does it for today's show. We got on a little bit of a tangent there, a little rambling. I was riffing. Can I riff? Can I riff? Um, well, always sunny there for you. But anyway, good luck today, whatever you have going. March Madness is tonight. Got a whole slate of hockey. So hope you catch some winners. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Betting Daily.